When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile application, we think. Or not yet. We're on the Giants mobile website, at least. And, of course, the archive can be found on your favorite podcast platforms. I am John Schmelk, and the archive is on the Giants app as well. He is Lance Meadow, talking New York Giants football with you. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. Lance, we've been talking about practice for about two weeks now, give or take. We're finally going to have a game to talk about in a couple of days. Thank God. Yeah, it is about time we actually get some meaningful football, as I like to call it, against an unfamiliar opponent. And Brian Dable was asked about what his game plan is for Thursday's game. He indicated that he hasn't decided how long he's going to play the starters. It will be dependent on game flow and performance. And I think what he meant by that is if he puts in the first-team offense and they struggle, he may say to himself... I'm going to have them in for another series because we need to work out some of the issues and I want to see some clean football. If they excel in the first series, he may say, you know what, it's enough. We'll move on. We'll bring him back for game two. I think that's what essentially he was indicating. Let's face it, the bulk of the work, especially since this is the first preseason game, you're going to want to see the back end of your roster as you try to finalize the 90-53. to 53. But it is crucial for this team, maybe in comparison, John, to other teams in the NFL around this time of the year. We got a new system on both sides. You got coaches trying to get familiar with players, vice versa. There is some value in playing the starters because of the current setting of this team. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, Brian Dable spoke again. We're going to see everybody that's healthy enough to play on Thursday night, so everyone will be on the field in one way, shape, or form. Today said that he's not going to put a, a number of reps on the table. They will not play as much as a half. So, you know, if it's a three and out to start the game, I think maybe you might see a second series. If the first drive they get like eight to ten plays in, then I think maybe that'll be it for the first teams on both sides. So he's going to kind of play it by ear depending on the player, depending on the health, depending on how they do, Lance, and that's going to determine how many guys and who plays how many snaps on Thursday night. And that's a wise philosophy. If you look up and down the roster, I think – 
guys coming off of injury. Maybe you don't want to necessarily overdo it. For example, a player like Saquon Barkley, a Kadarius Tony, but the players that have been fully healthy and haven't necessarily dealt with anything over the course of the offseason, once again, I would lean towards playing them a little bit. I do think there is something to be said about building chemistry, getting a feel for just the physicality of the game. And I understand they've gone through some practices over the last two weeks, but I think there is a distinct difference in going up against your teammate on a daily basis and how far the teammate can push you versus going up against a player in a Patriots uniform who is vying for a roster spot, is hungry. I think that takes your game to a little bit different level, and that's why I do think there is some value in giving the starters as much work as you think is suitable without necessarily pushing the envelope and overemphasizing the unnecessary. All right, 201 We've got a lot of calls about Evan Neal. There's been a lot of freaking out over uh, <laughs> social media videos at over literally a handful, and I mean literally a handful, of one-on-one snaps of O-line, D-line, one-on-ones. Uh, he had a chance to talk about that and some other things when he addressed the media today, so I thought it would be a fun idea to listen to what Evan Neal has to say, and then we'll talk about it. Here's Evan Neal. From, from the spring to now... Where have you improved the most? What aspect of your game? I feel like from the mental side of the game, for sure, and uh, my technique. I'm still working on working to improve it every day. But uh, the techniques that the coaches are, um, you know, trying to coach me, I've definitely been receiving them well and uh, developing those and getting better. They talked about uh, new techniques. I think they're, they're, you know, Bobby admittedly is more on the aggressive side of, you know, pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has that been like for you? Has it has it felt new? Uh, is it that much different than what you've done in the past? Yeah, well, in the past, you know, in college, you know, I got great coaching at Alabama uh, as well. But uh, a lot of times, they just kind of let the talented players just play, you know, play their games. And um, you know, in the NFL level, you know, a lot of guys are more technical, you know, what they do. So I have to become more of a technician as well. So that's definitely something that uh, the coaches have been trying to, you know, emphasize more with me just being a technician for sure. Obviously, when you're learning something new, you're going against world-class athletes, you're going to have some bad reps. Right. Like, how do you process that when, you know, you have a bad rep? How do you deal with that? Hey, turn the page. You know, it's football. And I'm at the highest level. I mean, so obviously, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But the most important thing is to keep on fighting, you know, and uh, win the next play. One thing, Bobby, you to say is pass protection is not passive. Right. Jordan mentioned the aggression. So how much of a change is that for you to be maybe a more more aggressive as a pass blocker than you were? How much of a change is that and what is that adjustment? I never believed that pass protection was passive by any means. You know, you can look at my college tape. Anytime I got the opportunity, I would clean the pocket, you know, stop guys at the line of scrimmage, you know, get on guys quick and shut them down. So uh, I definitely agree with that philosophy because nothing's passive about uh, pass protection at all. You obviously played right tackle, but that was a couple years ago. Has mm. that been an adjustment to get back to you know, kind of switching sides again? Um, yeah, somewhat, you know. Um, but I have the muscle memory there since I played it. It was just the fact that, you know, this is the fourth year consecutively that I've had to, you know, play a different spot for sure. But uh, I feel like I'm doing well, you know, uh, and I feel like I'm only going to get better and better. Because of your athleticism, your size, does being an aggressive pass protector play better to your skill set than maybe what you were doing at Alabama? Um, yeah, I'm a big guy. I'm strong. I'm long. And, you know, a lot of times when I get my hands on somebody, I can shut it down right now. You know, uh, 
So yeah, my job is to keep guys off the quarterback. You know, so yeah, whatever way you know possible, whatever way uh, works best in that moment, that's that's what I'm gonna use. You know, whether I gotta aggressively set a guy or I gotta you know be more patient, take an angle set. You know, um, whatever I'm, whatever way I need to get the job done, that's how I'm gonna get the job done. Hey, just feel so far in your first training camp. Have you any any kind of welcome to the NFL moments? Would you say? Um. Yeah, I mean, practices, the tempo of practice is really, really fast and really uh, upbeat um, and uh, fast paced. And uh, I've been going to get some, some some really good talent for sure. So, yeah. What other sports do you excel in? Because the coaches always talk about how athletic you are. Well, I played basketball when I was younger. Uh, basketball was actually my first love uh, growing up. But they say your sport chooses you. You don't choose your sport. So football definitely chose me. But uh, I, I was a basketball player. Have you done? Yeah, I still can. What's your scouting report on Kayvon? <laughs> My scouting report on Kayvon? Well, what you see is what you get with him. You know, he's a, a pass rusher, and I feel like he's refining his moves. He's refining his technique, you know, opposed to only having one move. He works a counter move, going from speed to power, and he's ripping uh, up under, you know, coming from a bull rush and then ripping through. So uh, seeing him just work double moves and counter moves, and, you know, also he has a really, really fast uh, first set. Uh, first step, so I kind of got to get out of my pass set really fast and get to my spot, you know, before he does, you know, so it's really fun going up against that guy, you know, uh, definitely, you know, get, he's getting me better and I believe I'm getting him better, so I'm just excited to continue to butt heads. How high is this? As high as he wants it to be, as high as he can take it, you know. Let's take three more. Evan, does anything intimidate you? Does anything scare you? Well, I like to say I fear God, you know. So, uh, nah, nothing really intimidates me about this sport. It can't be an intimidating sport going up against, you know, world-class athletes. But, you know, I'm here for a reason as well, you know. So, uh, I'm just going to go out there and compete, you know. Feliciano was saying he's never seen a rookie kind of like act like a pet like you do as far as taking care of your body. Is that something you picked up at Alabama or you've always been that way? Like, how did you kind of learn to, you know, conduct yourself like a vet? I mean, but I want to feel my best going out there to practice, you know, and put my best foot forward every day to get better. And I can't do that when, you know, my legs are constantly feeling heavy or, you know, um, just I'm not doing the necessary things to continue to maintenance my body, you know, whether it be my joints, you know, my ankles or my flexibility and things like that. So, you know, I definitely want to take the time to be proactive, you know, so that way when I do go on the field, you know, I can play fast. I know. That's all. Have it, have you, um... What have you done so far in camp? Has that given you how you performed? Has that given you more confidence? You know that obviously you belong here and you can play at this level. Um, well, I definitely know I belong and I can play at this level. And uh, camp has been getting me better, uh, and I feel like I've been getting other guys better as well. You know, but uh, I'm just excited. And time's going to tell. I'm just excited to go out there and continue to compete, get better with my teammates, and uh, hopefully win some ball games. I know it's only the preseason, but what are you expecting from your first NFL game on Thursday? I expect it to be fast, uh, aggressive, up-tempo, you know, violent, just like any other football game would be, you know, so I'm definitely excited for that. That's Giants offensive lineman Evan Neal there, Lance, and he just is, he's like an old soul, right? Like, when you listen to that, if you didn't listen to the content of the answers, right, you wouldn't think that's a rookie talking. He just seems like a very, he's like an adult, you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like a young, inexperienced kid talking about the game. Well, he's mature. I think that's probably the best way to put it. He's polished. He's experienced. 
Nick Saban runs a program like the pro rank. So I think most of these Alabama players, it's not a rude awakening. And it falls right in line also, John, with what John Feliciano was saying the other day when he was asked about Evan Neal and said he's beyond his ears, I believe was the exact phrase that Feliciano used. And the reason he used that was because he said he's very professional. He goes about his business, knows how to take care of his body. He doesn't necessarily need to be guided, doesn't need his hand held. There are some college guys, and this is one of the biggest transition for any rookie, whether it be an offensive lineman or another positional player. They're so used to in college where the coaches and the staff members give them an exact schedule where every five minutes they essentially know what they're doing between going to classes or doing football-related activities. In the NFL, it's not like that. You have some downtime. You have some free time. It's your responsibility to choose what you want to do with it. Guys that have families and responsibilities, they take advantage of it that way. But a guy like Evan Neal just transitioning to the NFL and trying to get his feet set, he can go into the weight room. He could spend an extra hour there. He go to the trainer. So that's what I think Feliciano picked up on. And when Evan Neal interacts with the media, I think you could tell he knows exactly what he needs to do to take care of his business. Yeah, and Bobby Johnson also spoke today, and maybe, yep. we'll, and maybe we'll play some of that back a little bit later. In fact, I can even cue some of it up now if we want, about how mentally he's just a really sharp guy, and, and, and he's really dedicated to what he does. In fact, well, how about I cue that up here? So why don't you bring that up? Uh, Bobby Johnson, first he's going to talk about the little scrum that occurred at practice uh, yesterday. So we'll have to get through that, but then he has a couple questions on Evan Neal that I think are uh, some pretty good answers. So why don't we listen to Bobby Johnson, then we'll kind of circle back, finish our conversation on Neal, and then we'll open up the phones at 201-939-4513. Here's offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, who also spoke to the media today. I know I just want to take an opportunity just to jump out ahead of it because I know everybody's got the same question. Um, the incident yesterday, I take full responsibility. Uh, uh, I'm remorseful. Uh, it can't happen. It won't happen again. I've apologized to the appropriate people, uh, in particular Cam. Um, I have to be better than that. Uh, it's not what we're looking for. And like I said, it, it's a regrettable incident that can't won't happen again. So uh, I know everybody wants to know about that. I just want to jump out and hit it right off the bat so that everybody you know, can kind of hear what I needed to say about it and, and move on from it. Is that one of those things where you see your guy getting pulled and it just your head, it's instinct? It's something that happens in, in football. And I'll leave it at that. It won't happen again. Um, it can't happen again. So that's just where I'll, I'll leave it at that. Is that the message you got from Dave that it can't happen again? He addressed it and he made it crystal clear. So it's been addressed and we're moving on from it. So, How big of a concern is your tackle depth right now? Um, I think you always want to, you, you get greedy with that position. You want that guy to be basically a starter. Um, right now, we got some guys that are progressing the right way, um, but it's an important role. So I, I think we're going to be fine. It's still early. I think we can't lose sight of the fact that we're going into the first preseason game. So I feel like we got some um, some options, and I think those guys are going to have some opportunities to to develop into that role. So I'm not I'm not worried about it, mm-hmm. not yet. Feliciano mentioned yesterday that, uh, or two days ago, that Evan is dealing with, you know, adjusting to new techniques. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the things you've changed that maybe he did in the past? Um, I think a lot of kids, especially tackles, uh, set a particular way, um, and we set differently just based philosophically on how we want to protect the quarterback. Um, it's something that initially he kind of, I think it was a combination of the different set technique and then going over to right, which he had been left last year. But he's making like 
tremendous strides every day. So I think it's just something he's he's very uh, conscientious and works very hard. He's a guy that pushes himself. For me, my role with him is to make sure that he sees the positives and doesn't focus on the negatives. So he's working through them. And matter of fact, like the open the scrimmage in the stadium was probably his best practice. But we all have higher expectations of him, and he is the type of kid that will constantly work toward those expectations. So he, he's he's doing a good job, really good job. You, you, seem you, to be you very touched on. On that, in regards to the sets of, of your guys. Yeah, I mean, um, what's, what's, your, what's the philosophy behind that? Pass pro is not a pass pro is not passive. That's that's the message you want to send. You know, in this league, it's all about the quarterback. The quarterback runs the show, and in order to run that properly, you got to be able to protect them. So, we just had the philosophy: we don't want pass pro to be passive. It has to be aggressive. You you touched on it a little bit. I'm sure he's not used to having guys go by him. In practices and, and things like that, how how much mental assurances do you have to give him to make sure that his his head isn't, um, isn't spinning a little not, bit? Not many, because I think the one that everybody is addressing and dwelling on is the one. Uh, I think it was the second pad of practice against uh, Kayvon, and Kayvon ran by him. There was just a miscommunication there because the first day in pads, I told the guys be overly aggressive to set the tone, just to kind of throw a little fastball down the middle, and then to get them kind of thinking. And he didn't get the message on the second day, hey, go to your normal pass pro. So he got over aggressive and the defense adjusted to it. So he hasn't had one like that since then. So um, he, he, he takes constructive criticism very well and he does not dwell on too much praise. So I think he's got a really good temperament. And, you know, like I said, everybody wants him to be really good, but I don't think everybody wants him to be as good as he wants to be. So I think we got the right mindset going with him. His run blocking seems uh, on point. I mean, he's the size of a bus. You get in the way of it, you're probably going to get moved. But the thing about it is, is we're constantly tweaking that too. He wants to be really good. And that's, a, that's, that's fun to work with every day. A kid that wants to be special. So. Bobby, what do you want? And there's Bobby Johnson and Evan Neal right there, Lance. And, you know, just talk to him again, his mature approach and, you know, as, as people have freaked out about some of those one-on-one drills, he gave an explanation on some of that. And I talked about that after that first day of pads, how it almost looked like he was running a, a play-action set because he really went out there and attacked the, the defensive end, which allowed the defensive end to get around him. And then again, uh, Bobby talked about how that was part of the plan, and then there were adjustments made, and, and he did not get word that normal pass sets were to follow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the results were not the best. But uh, I, he had a great rep yesterday in one-on-ones against Kayvon Thibodeau. And look, I'm I gotta be honest with you, you know, I'm not worried about Evan Neal. He's gonna be fine. He's gigantic. I mean, if you just for fans that, that want to just just look at the media availability, I think it's probably on the website by now. If not, it'll be on there shortly. Just looking at that man and you say, How is he three hundred and forty pounds? He's a freak show and a guy that is that athletic and is that smart and is that serious about his craft, he's going to be a good football player. So I'm not even though, look, there might be some rough patches here, much like Andrew Thomas, they're asking him to set a little bit differently, and the technique's going to be a little bit different. So it might take a little bit of time, but he's he's going to be okay. I'm not worried about him. It wouldn't be a surprise if he had his ups and downs as a rookie, because remember, the guys on the opposite side of the ball are going to find ways to get the better of him. But and Lance, I would by put... the way, there just haven't been many offensive tackles that have stepped into the league and have been dominant in their first sure. year. I mean, look, Tristan Wirfs, is is a huge outlier. Like you go back to Jake Matthews, who was a high pick. Penny Sewell last year had big time up and downs. So 
it's just it's very hard for a rookie offensive tackle to step in and bam, Pro Bowler. Like it just doesn't happen. Anyway, go. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry no, for interrupting. That's fine. I mean, listen, Makai Becton's another guy that I throw into the mix too, and unfortunately, it looks like he's going to miss this season again oh, because kneecap. of another knee injury. Ooh. Yeah. After he only played one game last year, Jedrick so, Wills too, man. Like he was good. Yeah. As, he was good as rookie year. Then last year he took a step back. So it's just kind of the way it goes with these offensive linemen. It's hard. It's the ebbs and flows of the development of some of these young guys. But what I was getting to when you were talking about individual days in practice, I put a lot more stock in John Bud Dupree taking advantage of Evan Neal in Week One than I would over analyzing a set from day to day in practice. It's far more imperative that he handles his business once we get to games than whether or not he comes out with an A-plus or an A-minus in practice every day. And what Bobby Johnson was talking about is also conversations we get into when the regular season starts. In games, when you break down a play, but you don't know what the play call was designed to do and what the coaches told the player, it's hard to then pinpoint whose responsibility it is as to why maybe certain elements of the play don't look crisp. So Bobby Johnson just told you he had conversations with Evan Neal one day, told him this is the approach. The next day he wanted him to then have a different approach. Clearly the message wasn't digested fully. As a result, Kayvon Thibodeau got the better of him. No different than a game. Whose responsibility is what area of the field, what section of the field? Was it the offensive lineman or was it a miscue with the quarterback, the wide receiver, whatever it may be? That context is important to fully understand what may have gone wrong within a given play. Are you saying you want context on social media, Lance? Well, I could want it. It doesn't mean I'm going to get it, though. Those are two completely different items. So I'm a realist to understand where the conversation (laughs) will end up. But it was refreshing to hear Bobby Johnson. And Bobby Johnson didn't really need to go into great detail over a lousy practice at the end of the day. But he decided to go there. And it does make sense when you add up what exactly transpired. Anything else you want to touch on for media availabilities today? We did have all the assistant coaches. Um, we talked a little bit about you know the wide receivers and the rat adjustments. I can get into that. Anything jump out at you, and then we'll take some phone calls. Well, two other things. Darnay Holmes spoke to the media, and he just talked about the fact that he believes he has what it takes to blitz and get after the quarterback. And he said that that was an aspect of his game his rookie year, he wants to then have Wink tap back into it. So we talk about mindset of a player. It seems as if Holmes, he's anxious to show that maybe his versatility can be a good fit for that defense. That's number one. Number two, I was listening to a little bit of what Shea Tierney had to say, the quarterback's coach, and you actually were even asking some of these questions, John, so you know exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of these guys are talking simultaneously, these assistant coaches, but It was interesting to hear him discuss going up against Wink's defense on a daily basis and how you use that to analyze Daniel Jones because he's super aggressive, Wink, and some defense is going to go up against this season. They're going to be maybe a little bit more passive. They're not going to bring the house at you. They're going to stay back. They're going to dare you to see if you want to throw the ball into tight windows and sort of how you walk that fine line of coaching Daniel Jones to say, hey, You're not going to have everything, including the kitchen sink, thrown at you on a daily and a weekly basis. So it's great film when you go up against aggressive defenses. But you also can't get overwhelmed in thinking 
they're going to be on attack mode every single opponent this season. So there are going to be some games and moments where he can look to be a little bit of aggressive with respect to his approach. And I, I just thought it was interesting in terms of Tierney talking about how they go back, they review the film. It's great to go up against Wink, but it also needs a little bit of perspective. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, no question about it. All right, let's get to the calls here. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Just want to remind Giant fans that Giant season tickets are on sale for 2022 in addition to ticket savings. Membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Just want to remind fans, too, we will not be live tomorrow from 2 to 3. Um, the big, The main part of our crew will be traveling. And uh, we will not be able to do the show live at 2, but we will have the show posted probably before 2, right? It'll probably be up by like 12, 1 o'clock, Pearson, give or take. So go to the Giants uh, mobile app or Giants.com, and there'll be a recorded show up there with uh, Detino and Fiegels, uh recorded on Wednesday morning up mid by midday afternoon on Wednesday. For that, Lance and Jeff will be live on Thursday at 2, previewing Giants and Patriots. And then, of course, we'll be back for game review at 2 o'clock. Uh, on Friday afternoon and tomorrow on the Giants Little podcast. Make sure you check it out. We'll have, uh, I just did an interview around 12 or 13, 14 minutes with Colin Johnson today. Really nice kid, smart kid to him. Lance, we get more into the whole, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, being on the same page stuff, which I think was a really interesting conversation. So make sure you guys go check out the Giants Little podcast tomorrow for that. All right, now with that in the books, let's lead us off with Charlie in Portland, Maine, who I'm sure wants to kill Evan Neal. Charlie, how are you? <laughs> hey, John. Hey, Lance. How are you? Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear the whole thing, that what uh, Mr. Johnson had to say, but I guess one of the questions, the question to me is, we don't have time for this guy to, with Daniel Jones as our quarterback, we don't have time for this guy to make a whole kinds of rookie mistakes. No, right no, away. no, 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 Charlie. What does that mean? What, what does, does that, that mean? mean? What that means is we can't have him falling on the ground and letting somebody like totally just go right after Jones, so he can fumble the ball. 
That's what I mean. Well, no, so, I Charlie, no, Troy, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah. No, but Troy, there, there's no choice. Whether you have time or not is not going to change reality. Rookie offensive linemen struggle early in their careers. It's how it goes. It's what happens. It's, it's just what it's going to be. So whether or not you want it or you, quote, unquote, don't have time, it's not going to change just the fact of, of, of what it's going to be. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what you're expecting here. What I'm expecting is a Charles Cross. That's what I'm expecting. But well, you have no idea what Charles that. Cross is going to look Cross like. Cross hasn't played one regular season game. Well, Are you yeah. sitting there watching his reps on social media? Yes. Well, the next question is this. Can you tell me why they're changing his technique if his technique was so good coming out of Alabama? Because well, it worked at Alabama. Well, Does and, that mean and, it's going to work against NFL players? Right, and, it's a little bit different. And, Charlie, you coach your offensive – you have a way to protect your quarterback for the offensive linemen to work together to create a wall. You think that is the best way as a team for you to protect your quarterback. You have to integrate your players into that scheme. So Evan oh, Neal gosh. might not have protected that way in college. Well, he's going to have to protect that way now. You can't have four guys protecting one way and another guy protecting another way. Then your offensive line's not going to function. What, 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 what if uh, his skill set, his talent, doesn't fit the scheme? Well, how do you know that? I'm just asking. This is the question. How, how, yeah, well, right now it's not do- he's not doing too well with it. I'm just saying it's like... I just don't see. To me, it's like Charlie. If you teach have, somebody something new, it doesn't click right away all the time. It oh, takes I understand. Some time. I understand that. And, and, I and what happens that. if the other four guys are great at the technique they're using now? So what? You're going to make all the other four guys to change just because of Evan Neal can't do it in the first two well, practices no. in the summer? That, that's stupid. No, what? No, what I'm saying is he might not be the right tackle for this team. Yeah, but if he can't. Okay, right, maybe. Right. I mean, I, I could also right. walk down the street and have a piano fall on my head and be dead tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 don't, we don't know what the future is going to hold here. All right. All I'm putting out there is it's not a good look. And let me you. It's tell not me a good look Danny... because of the few social media clips that you've analyzed over the last two weeks. No, Charlie, yeah, let I me mean, ask you this. Makes a lot you, of sense. you called up and said the same thing about Andrew Thomas in his first year. Why are you changing right. the way the guy blocks? Oh, why did you just let him do what he does in college? Well, let me ask you something. As you stand yeah. here now, as we all think Andrew Thomas has a legitimate chance to be a Pro Bowl player, are you happy they taught him to block his new way based on how he's developed? Are you happy about well, that? You don't, well, you don't know that, John, because Colombo got fired. So they might have gone back to the way he used to block. No, they didn't. I've talked to him about it, and I've had interviews with him, and they did not go back to the way he blocked in college. All right. Okay. But hey, that's yeah. But it took him a year, you know, right? He took him a year about ten games to get it took him about ten games. All right, ten games. That's a long time. Yeah, but anyway, that's what the is. NFL is. Yeah. Charlie, you're demanding perfection right out of the gates, no, which is no, just no. unrealistic. Did you watch Trevor Lawrence I, last year? I mean, no, like, I'm not asking perfection. All I'm saying is, you know, you. All I'm saying is this: if you're picking this guy number seven in the draft. You expect this guy not to be a third or fourth or fifth round draft pick who's going to struggle. Of course, but Charlie, he hasn't played one game. All of these claims that you're throwing out in this conversation are based on nothing. There is no right. example of a play. There's no foreign opponent you can reference. He is a you month. can't give me one example to support anything you're throwing out. He has right another now. month of practices, all padded. The man has literally had four padded 
practices. Okay. It's we got a game Thursday night, right? Yes. Okay, so if he ends up doing a lot of Olays and people are running by him because he can't take care of the speed rush, are you going to change your mind or are you going to say, No, nah, I'm not going to change my mind game. over 10 snaps in a preseason game because that's stupid too. <laughs> So none of this counts. Practice doesn't count. Preseason games don't count. No, Nothing it counts, counts, but you don't render a decision on whether or not a draft pick was the right one based on one preseason game and a handful of padded practices. All right. Okay. Now let me go to Daniel Jones. My Were gosh. you there today? Were you there today, John? Uh, yeah, I, w- I was out there for half the practice today. Yeah. How did Daniel Jones do today? Well. Let me tell you something, Charlie. Do, do you want me to tell you how to practice today? Yeah. Do you want to know? Everything was at half speed. There wasn't one so? full speed rep all of practice. And they were running scout team reps on cards because the offense was mimicking what the Patriots offense is going to do Thursday night. It wasn't even a competitive full speed practice. So what Daniel Jones or any other player did at practice today doesn't mean anything because they were literally jogging, jogging out there. So if it was, if they were just jogging and it was so easy, right, because it wasn't a full practice, don't you think he should have been hitting some things and not throwing interceptions? Oh if it was that easy? Oh, they're running a play off well, of a Tyron card. Charlie, they're running a play off of a card. They said, this is the Patriots' play. Be Mac Jones and throw it to this wide receiver. That's what Daniel Jones did. Yeah, and so didn't Tyron Taylor, and so didn't Davis Webb. Did they have any interceptions today? Charlie, goodbye. I can't. So start I can't. Davis Webb then, Charlie. I can't. I can't. Call up Brian Dable and tell him to start Davis Webb week one. I'm sure the entire coaching staff would agree with your sentiments. Well, in, in fairness, all of the interceptions was because of Evan Neal not blocking anybody at right tackle. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. He was flat on his feet as he was throwing the ball up into no man's land, yes, apparently. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's just Evan Neal was on his back, crawling back towards the quarterback, and then Daniel Jones just threw it to the defense on purpose. Yeah. That's what no, that's exactly how it played out. Everything at half speed, too, by the way. It was like the guys moving in slow motion out there, like on video. It was like yeah, the video NFL game, films, yeah. like you know, like the, the, the slow motion on the football. That that's what it was. It was it was it was beautiful. They actually they have put special jerseys on these players. There's actually about 11 members of the Giants staff. They hide in a different section of the building with a remote control, and they actually control the players. That's how this <laughs> season is going to play out. So all of Daniel Jones's mistakes that are coming, it's because the guy hidden behind some door, like the Wizard of Oz, is holding a control. Hey, look, you want so that everybody you want to take yeah. some shots at Daniel Jones and full speed practice and throwing interceptions? Look, he threw two interceptions yesterday when they're going full speed. You want to bring that up? All right, yeah, yeah, no, that's not good. You don't want your first-team quarterback throwing interceptions. That's fine. But to bring up today's practice when they're in shorts and no pads and they're running everything half speed, it's asinine. It's asinine. It's asinine. I mean, this is the problem with the popularity of the sport. It's both good and bad. Yeah. It's great that we have coverage nonstop, but it becomes just over-analysis on minutiae. Little things that in the end don't add up. I'm not saying that the coaches don't find it valuable to study and evaluate the players. but And look, you would obviously rather have your quarterback not throw interceptions sure. in practice than throw interceptions, of course. And you'd rather have him play you know, flawless football in practice. But look, I mean, again, today was a half-speed thing. They were doing cards for the Patriots. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. 
No, all my point was is that at the end of the day, Daniel Jones is going to show what he can do or can't do when it comes to the regular season games. And that's going to determine what the Giants are going to do with him moving forward. I guarantee you, Brian Dable and Joe Shane don't meet after every single practice and say, boy, I mean, we're absolutely not going to keep him around after this season because he threw two interceptions today or whatever it may be. They're going to wait to see the entire set. Yeah. It, it, so it, it isn't like they're drawing like the like exactly. the like echocardiogram on the whiteboard in like Dable's <laughs> office where like the line goes up and then down and then up and then down and yeah. then if it's at a certain level then he's gone then he's in I mean it's just not how it works. No, of course not. They're going to look at everything start to finish and then at the end of the year they're going to come to their decision. So if they're going to utilize that rationale, then I don't understand why. Well, Charlie's a different kind of thing. <laughs> I so, I, I mean, I probably should answer my own question. What I was going to say was, and I can't believe he didn't bring him up, which just goes to show you he's trying to distract himself. Well, he probably was going to. I cut him off, though. Well, no. Well, but you know what? I mean, how many items are we going to allow him to address on this program? It takes him a half hour to get to his point. My point is he didn't bring up Andrew, Andre Miller, and I think he's still going through the emotional sorrow over the injury. So that's the pain that I think Charlie is feeling right now. My favorite part is when you guys paint him into a corner and then he just moves on to the next subject. <laughs> what else is new? But he could have went to that topic, Pearson. Yeah. That's my point. He didn't even go there. He's avoiding his long-lost cousin not being around. So 201-939-4513. It's very sad times. Yes. John up in Cape Cod. John, what's going on? How are you guys? Uh, We're good. T tough act good. to follow, John. Sorry about that. <laughs> High expectations, yeah. yes. Aside, aside from being in the in the sauna, um, you guys have an infinite amount of patience dealing with some of these call-ins. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> if I were a player, the first thing I would do would be delete my Twitter account until the, the season is over. Because John, so I wish I could erase my Twitter account. Sadly, as part of my job, I must tweet out promotions for our Giants content as part of my job. Otherwise, I would have been off Twitter a long time ago. No, I know. I'm I'm talking about the players. Oh yeah, but, definitely. Uh, yeah, because it's filled with a ton of people who have room temperature football IQs. I mean, does anybody think? Anybody around the league right now thinks that Evan Neal isn't going to make it coming out of that Alabama program, which is arguably the closest pro-ready football program in all the colleges in the country. The, the other thing, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was, you know, the, the other part of his game where he excelled in college was his run blocking. And I got to tell you, I know that the I know the game has changed. I've been a fan for 60 years plus. But you know, the one constant is you look at the teams that are around at the end and they know how to kill a clock in the last 4 or 5 minutes when they're holding a lead with a good running game. Okay? The Giants did it for years. Okay? So it's a it's a two phase thing with the offensive line and linemen love to run block late in the game because it lets them really get after the guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The other thing the other thing I like and I'm rooting for is Bellinger as a tight end because here's another thing that's been constant in the league. Look at the past Super Bowl 
champions for I don't know how many years. One constant with those teams. They always had either good or great tight ends. The Patriots had Gronkowski. Tampa Bay had Gronkowski. Now, in fairness, in fairness, John, on the Giants' past two Super Bowl teams, they weren't rolling out like yeah. superstar tight ends. They were kind of just, you know. No, 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 but they were solid tight ends. Sure. Kevin Boss, Jake Ballard, those guys could catch the ball in traffic and they all could block. Yeah, but they, they, they weren't they from, weren't like Rob Gronkowski level players, though. Yeah, you know like what I'm Travis saying? Kelsey no, no, or no, something I'm like not talking. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the constant is that the one thing you can say about all of those guys is they block well sure. as well as catch the ball well. And Bellinger can do from, that. I agree with you. That's fair. And I thought after the second year that Evan Neal was, uh, I mean Evan Ingram was a wasted draft pick. I know the guy practiced hard and had a good work ethic, but just coincidentally, I mean, every game I watched, he if he was on the field, which was another issue because of injuries, I saw him drop so many passes in critical game situations. That's fair. What's that? I said that's fair. Yeah, which is why a guy like like this kid Bellinger nobody knows how he's going to be but the one thing they do know is based on his college and so far in camp this kid drops nothing and he also blocks well so, yeah which well, is he was asked to block yeah. specifically at Correct. San Diego and a, State and, yeah. and he's a and he's and he's a damn good blocker yeah if you remember your giants history the giants stole mark bavaro they drafted him because he was such a good blocker, because he came out of a Notre Dame offense that didn't really throw the ball very often. And we saw what happened after that when they found out, hey, this guy can catch the ball. But he was a he was drafted as a blocker. Well, I think when it comes to today's tight ends, I don't know necessarily if you need one guy to do everything. I just think you need reliable guys in key spots to deliver what you're asking them to do. For example, I mean, Brian Dable's come from teams where he hasn't necessarily relied on one guy in particular. He may have two to three tight ends. And I actually think this season is going to be more of a group effort than one tight end in particular. So, you know, be prepared for that as well, that they may not throw everything on Bellinger's plate. It could be a little bit of a mix and match. Oh, absolutely. I, I, couldn't, agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and all I'm saying is it's a real plus if you've got a guy – who you know is a good blocker, sure. and it turns out he's got great hands, too. You're not going to put out a young guy if you can't rely on him to do the basics. So if Thank he you, can prove to do that, yeah. that's certainly a leg up for the Giants. But, you know, Bellinger, at this point, we haven't seen what he could do on the NFL level. I think he has all the characteristics. But, I mean, here's the thing, and this is, goes back to where we started with the Evan Neal conversation. You know, one guy we're talking about, he does everything great in college based on what the system called for, so it's absolutely going to translate. Whereas the other guy, he actually had a pretty good college resume. He has a few rough practices, so there's no way it's going to translate. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, apparently, when it comes to analyzing these rookies. Yeah, no question about it. 201-939-4513. We got another call on hold, Lance. I want to take that. And then I do want to replay that conversation I had with Shay Tierney because I think it does speak to a couple of the interesting things you've talked about before. Uh, let's go to Doug and Glenn Falls. He wants to talk about Darnay Holmes, who also addressed the media today. Doug, what's going on? Hi, John. You're, yeah, you're, you're the best guy I, I, I imagine to ask. What's changed? Is it, is it Wink Martindale's 
system when you're using him? Because didn't he come in like in 2020? So he's been this is like his third year. Third year, yep. He and honestly, Doug, one of the things he's been hurt a lot. Like that's the one problem with Holmes the last couple of years. He's had trouble staying on the field. He was on IR briefly yeah. last season. Yeah. So so if he's healthy, he's probably going to be the slot corner. Good good possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think if if you're looking at the hierarchy there. I think right now there's a pretty big gap between your top three corners and whoever your fourth guy is. So, barring an injury, Lance, and I don't know if you agree with me, I think the top three corners, and you know, if you want to call Darnay a starter at the nickel spot, I think that's fine. I think that is a, basically a starting spot. I think those are going to be your three starting corners week one, unless something really funky happens. Yeah, I think Holmes is taking full advantage of his opportunities on this roster. I think he's motivated by some of the younger players that were drafted. You could also argue year three, players tend to click. I just think the comfort level's there. He's been in a variety of defenses thus far. He talked about he had a heart-to-heart conversation with Patrick Graham last season where something as simple as when you break the huddle to get aligned quicker so you can analyze and see what the offense is doing. I mean, little things like that, he wasn't doing that consistently, and he felt that was impacting his play. So I just think mentally he's at a much more comfortable state where he understands the game, and I think that's helped him understand and fully digest, of course, what Wink is asking him to do. So, yeah, I'd be surprised when it's all said and done if Darnay Holmes is not one of the three main starting cornerbacks that they utilize. Good. Thanks for, the, thanks for your, your uh, time. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate right. the call, man. And I will say this, too. Look, the, 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 the takeaways and the interceptions have been great. There have been some plays in one-on-ones and even in team where guys have gone behind them a little bit. So, you know, there needs to be a balance, Lance. You can be aggressive, go for these picks, and you get your hands on the ball. That's great. But And we saw this with Trayvon Diggs with Dallas last year a little bit, right? If it's counteracted by a bunch of plays where he's getting beat over the top and stuff, then uh, I'm not sure you want to trade one for the other in, in, in some ways. But, you know, the takeaways are great, but you that that's not the only uh, criteria for being an excellent cornerback, too. No, not at all. And it goes back to also a conversation that we had, I believe, last week where I was emphasizing in Wink's defense the reason why corners don't get a lot of interceptions is because you're asking those guys to man up more often than not. So some of the plays that you're seeing happened in the training camp practices and maybe even in the preseason – you know, may not necessarily be an indication of how often it will come into play during the regular season. I think what you're looking at at Darnay Holmes is he's in the right spot. He could cover well, meaning hang with the wide receiver, whoever his responsibility is, and which is what he talked about a little bit earlier today, if they do ask him to blitz, can he get home and be disruptive for the quarterback? Those are the types of things. I don't think you judge Darnay Holmes' season, well, if he doesn't have six interceptions, then it's a lost cause. And I would say that should be the criteria that you look at for just about every corner on this roster this year. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. No question about it. Absolutely agree with you. All right, 201-939-4513. It's a 
couple open lines. We'll open up the phones or keep them open, rather. Give us a call. We'll sneak you in. we got about 15 minutes to go. While we wait, though, Lance, you mentioned the, the conversation Shea Tierney had uh, with the media today. I would probably ask questions for the second half of that, which I, I thought he gave us some pretty good answers. So why don't we take a listen to, uh, to Coach Tierney and what he said during media availabilities today. He's a Giants quarterbacks coach, by the way. When you look at that, is there anything about Daniel that has sort of surprised you so far? That kind of like you didn't know about before you got here? No, not really. Um, you know, you heard how smart he was, how hard of a worker he was, how good of a guy he is. That all was true. And then playing wise, you know, nothing surprising there. Big, athletic, smart, accurate, throws a really good ball. Nothing, nothing surprising at all it was about it was what i had seen before with him coming out with him right. playing in his first few years yeah we look at yesterday we see you know guys in got trouble completing passes right it wasn't mm-hmm. the best day for you guys maybe for daniel uh we can't tell if it's you know daniel if the guy runs around whatever right so how do you look at that you know what how do you look at a day like yesterday what do you go what do you, when you go back and you go look it's okay say so here's what went wrong here's what we got to do yep what did you what did you come they're, over? they're learning experiences for us like we're all growing in this offense together so some of those are you know maybe the first time he's seen the guy run that route or the first time he's seen that coverage against that play we've called so it's all a learning experience right now which are good they're good discussions for us to have hey okay now we get this next time what are you doing we see this next time what are you doing so those are good discussions to have. You know, right now we're about process over results. That's where we're at. We haven't even had a preseason game yet, so at what point process, does that flip? You know, as we go does here, it, we it, does it, getting, flip? it does flip. Obviously, it does flip. But right now, when we haven't even had a live game against another team, you know, the the process is what we're focused on. Let's keep our process. Let's stay there, and let's go ahead and correct the things we need to correct. Talking about the process, actually, Art Stapleton. Yeah, how you doing, Art? Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Um, you talk about the process. I mean, when we always hear chemistry between the quarterback and the receivers, mm-hmm. it's chemistry thinking that, oh, we'll just go throw. I get the sense that, especially in this offense, it's also let's watch the film and see what the quarterback saw and then what the receiver saw and how do you blend that together. How do you guys work on that? Yeah, we go in and watch the film together every day. And on a certain route, Daniel's very vocal about, hey, I saw this here. You know, Tyrod is too. Davis is too. All those guys are saying what they're seeing to the receivers. So then the next time we come out and they present us that same thing, boom, this is what we're doing. So that constant dialogue between coach to player, player to player, player to coach is there every day. And, and it's really learning, right? Part of the process. I mean, is that part of the process yeah, it, that you're talking about? It's part of the process of learning on the fly of, hey, this route, you know, you got two ways to go maybe. And against this, you're going here. Against that, you're going there. And now the more we work on that, boom, we're, in the, we're on the right page together, you know. And that's a constant dialogue between all of us, top to bottom. And that's really one of those things I would imagine that you get into live reps on Thursday night, you play a series. If you get one of those plays and it hits, yeah. it's almost like that's, a like That's on. where the process comes in. Like that's why we're process over results right now because if we trust that and keep working on that process, then it pays off in the game. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for it to pay off in the game. Awesome. Thanks, yep. Shane. No Appreciate problem. It. Thanks. How does Winks 
way of running his defense, which is pretty unique in the league now, mm -hmm. right? How does that impact your ability to kind of teach your quarterbacks during the week, considering maybe what you're seeing in practice every day maybe won't reflect really a lot of what you'll see in the majority of your games this yeah, year? Yeah, I, I love it. It's a challenge every day we go against Wink's defense, which is awesome for us because now we can have a lot of discussions against certain pressures, certain looks, you know, what's our answer here against this? We can have those discussions now rather than having them in week five because that situation hasn't come up yet. So I think that's only going to help us. You know, we love that challenge every day. We embrace it. So going out there every day is fun. It's, it's fun trying to sort through all that stuff. It's, uh, it's great for us, great work for the offense and the defense. Does it also force Daniel to almost have to learn how to make his decisions quicker quicker because you're just not going to have a lot of time that, to sit back there? That depends on the look he's getting. Right. You know, some yes, some no. Um, there will be times where he could sit back there and it's the picture's really clear and it's easy, and there will be other times where it's not. And he knows when to make quicker decisions and when not to. And I know sometimes, or a lot of the time, you guys play through it, right? If a guy gets back there and, you know, it would get blown down for a rush. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go into the meeting room, do you watching, all right, you know, Daniel in the game, you obviously have to get this ball out of there, yeah, but we want to still run your tree. So how do you kind of balance those two things? That's, that's the balance of it is there are times where, hey, you know, we know we would be maybe picked up here, so go through the read. And then there's a lot of times where, like, hey, we want to play this like a game. You got to go ahead and you got to move. He is actually going to be unblocked. You got to. Yeah, do you got to go. You got to go. So we're working through that every day. You know when we watch the film, and uh, that's becoming more and more of part of our thought, thought process as we get to games. That's Giants quarterback coach Shay Tierney, and I forgot this wasn't even on camera. I went back up to him again later, and I talked to him, Lance, about the. Um, you know, the wide receivers and, and the quarterbacks and kind of the, the options on the routes. And the way he explained it to me, this isn't really that much different than what Kelvin Gilbride did when he was here, to be quite honest with you, where, you know, if you're an outside and Colin Johnson kind of goes into this too in my huddle interview with him, which is really good. That'll be again, be up tomorrow, where it's basically, look, if, if you're in the slot, for example, when a guy's playing inside leverage, you go outside. If you're playing in the slot, the guy has outside leverage, you go inside. If you know, you think you can run some run by somebody on, on a route, you can convert a stop route into a deep pattern. If you have a deep pattern, but the guy's playing 10 yards off of you, you can convert that into a stop. So it, it's really just making a conversion of your route based on the coverage, and it's just really important for you to practice those plays in the summer just like you would run them in the fall so the quarterback knows exactly what you're going to do in every situation. And there's communication, so the quarterback knows what the body language is and how you're normally going to run a route on a certain play against certain coverage. So that's kind of how he explained it to me, and I thought it was a, a, a pretty good explanation to, to give people a feel for the, what it means when the receivers say they have some freedom in this offense. And that was what Kenny Galladay had indicated when he spoke to the media right. last week. And I think you know, a lot of people were trying to fully understand what that meant and you know, the way that you just laid it out also proves that it puts, I think, a little bit more on Daniel Jones's plate, John, because you and the can't receivers, necessarily... And the receivers, both of them, for sure. True, but, but the reason why I say Daniel Jones is you can't anticipate that the receiver is going to end up in an exact spot if he's adjusting to what the defense is doing, meaning it may look in the initial stages of the play he may be going 
on one angle, but then based on how the corner or the safety is providing the coverage, he may adjust. So you got to be careful in terms of the quick trigger in releasing the ball. You may need an extra second to evaluate whether or not the wide receiver makes an adjustment based on what the defense is doing. That's more of a reason why the coaches are emphasizing, hey, if guys make mistakes now in the middle of August, so be it. Let him at least learn that he can't get rid of the ball this quickly and he has to anticipate the wide receiver may make a change as opposed to doing that in week three of the NFL season. And it really comes back to bite you because it's a turnover that counts. So those are the little things that I think they're trying to work out right now. And also, here's the other thing. you got a lot of young wide receivers, John, on this team. Yeah. It's one thing like Kenny Galladay, who's been in a few offenses, I can understand him adapting and maybe catching on quickly. He's been exposed to a lot of different things. Kadarius, Tony, Wondell Robinson, depending on what they were asked to do at college, it's different than now throwing a lot on their plate where they have the freedom and flexibility to make adjustments. My point is, in college, most coaches have a structured system where they want you to be at a spot and run the route exactly how they anticipate, not necessarily give you the flexibility to roam a little bit freer. Yeah, and I think it'll just be a process. And I think, you know, one thing Colin Johnson said to me, and again, I really think you guys should go check out that interview tomorrow. It was a really good spot. That, you know, I asked him about how they do, and he goes, look, I, I don't, I'm not even worried about telling you exactly what we're doing because if we do this correctly, it doesn't matter what the defense does, we're always going to be open because you always have an answer for what the defense shows you, what route you should run based off that defense that should get you open. So I think it's going to be a deal where this thing, if it's humming and going great, it's going to be really tough to, to stop. But other games, you might have some plays where you're like, boy, where the hell was Daniel throwing the ball on that? Or, boy, why was the wide receiver going there when it looked like he should have been going there? So I think you're going to have some ugly plays along the way as they you know, perfect this. But at the same time, when it clicks and it gets moving, I think it's going to be incredibly hard to stop. And that's the good, the bad and everything in between yeah. that comes mm -hmm. with an NFL team. You can look explosive one game based on the opposition not being able to make the adjustment. The next opponent you go up against, maybe they have a better read, John, on what you're running. They understand how these receivers are adapting, and therefore it's not as simple. You know, that's going to be the true test. I think if there is so much flexibility within this scheme, when you take into consideration pre-step motion, at-the-snap motion, during the routes, do teams get to a point where they can see tendencies in the Giants? If the Giants are really clicking and everything is evolving, then maybe they're a harder team to get a good read on. But if teams can pick up on that or they're doing things that Buffalo and Kansas City incorporated, and I'm assuming most opposing teams that are playing the Giants, they're probably studying up on the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, I think that would be the practical move. Sure. So how much of the molding of those two keeps these teams on their toes? That's going to be, I think, something very interesting to see, at least once we get beyond the first quarter of the season. All right, lads, we've got about five minutes left here. Let's take a look at the unofficial depth chart the Giants released yesterday. And since Jeff and Paul can't take calls tomorrow, I'm sure they'll spend a lot of the show tomorrow on this too. But uh, Lance and I haven't, won't have a chance to talk about it. So let's do that quickly now. Uh, just go to Giants.com, click on team, then click on depth chart. In terms of the starters, there are precisely zero surprises here, Lance. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Wondell Robinson is your third wide receiver with – uh, Kadarius, Tony, and Kitty Galladay. Daniel Bellinger is a starting tight end, which is kind of what we've been saying. We're with Ricky Seal-Jones out. On the defense, Tay Crowder is the second linebacker next to Blake Martinez. Darnie Holmes as the nickel guy. Jackson and Robinson outside corners. Levin McKinney, the safeties. 
Uh, Dexter Lawrence as the nose tackle, Leonard Williams as the defensive tackle, Ojolari and Thibodeau as the edge player. So there is precisely zero here that's surprising. Uh, in terms of the backups, I wouldn't take the second, third, and fourth teams all that seriously. To be honest with you, that's going to change a lot over the next month. What were some of your major takeaways? Well, just to piggyback off of what you said, essentially you got four starters that are rookies who are penciled in right now. So you've got three on the offensive side of the ball, one on the defensive side of the ball with Thibodeau. I'm with you. I was not blown away by anything in particular. The only thing that I observed, and I know you just mentioned not to read much into the second, third, fourth tiers and so forth, and I'm completely with you, but I do think it says perhaps something about what he's done in camp thus far and what he's shown in the spring that Richie James is the second-tier wide receiver behind Wondell Robinson. Because if you remember, John, all offseason we were having conversations about there is depth at this position group. And with Sterling Shepard still sidelined, could somebody move up a little bit? Could somebody take advantage? My interpretation, if you were to ask me, I think Richie James has fully capitalized on perhaps there being an opportunity in the back area of this depth chart. Yeah, and I think, you know, for example, like Colin Johnson is on the fourth team in this depth chart. He's been in reps with the ones the last week yep. in practice. So I wouldn't. And has a lot of experience too in the NFL. Yeah, this is his third season, right? He was with the Jaguars right before the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So look, I would not, in terms of the backups and stuff, how they pl- get played in the pre- preseason and how they get used in practice is a big, much bigger indication than what's on this. Uh, again, unofficial depth chart, which is only put together because they have to put it together for the uh, flip card uh, for the first preseason game. You have to you have to give them something, right? Yep. So this is, trust me, this is not what the depth chart, especially the second, third, and fourth teams looks like on the coach's board in their office and uh, the pro personnel in their office and Joe Shane's office. But, you know, this is what they got. Uh, Chris Myrick is the backup tight end. I thought that was surprising. He was two ahead of Jordan Akins, who was a, um, uh, an addition this offseason. Uh, Darius Slayton solicited a second wide receiver. Uh, just showing, and we heard um, the offensive line coach asked about this today, Lance, uh, the depth of tackle, the fact that Josh Azudu, yeah. a rookie, is listed as the backup left guard and left tackle. That's probably not ideal <laughs> based on... Um, well, they're dropping like flies, yeah. for the lack of a better phrase. They, they are I dropping mean, like that's flies. That's what happens. And, and Matt Parrott's still on the uh, pup, or, so he's not back yet. Um... Will Holden was just added to the roster, so he's trying to learn the scheme. I mean, Ellerson Smith, third-team edge player, I guess that's a little bit interesting behind Ojolari and Jihad Ward, if that gets you excited. But remember, Ward was in the Ravens' defense before, so no, I can understand people reading into that, Ellerson Smith, a young guy, but remember, Ward does have a leg up with knowledge of this scheme. I agree. Uh, Darian Beavers and Carter Coughlin, the two backup inside linebackers, I thought was interesting. But really, nothing that nothing that jumps out of me that I would you know be you know running around screaming about. Yeah, and I mean once again, we know there's some positions where there's some intriguing depth, and then you highlighted the offensive line is an area right now where they're probably going to cross train a few guys, and you have to because you can only keep so many offensive linemen on your roster. But that's why a guy like Josh Azudu, I think, has a lot of value coming over from UNC. He's been exposed to that. And they, I don't think, are afraid of throwing him into the fire in those circumstances because there could be games, John, where he's the backup 
guard, center, and tackle. He may be the first man up to cover for three different positions because they feel good about him getting X amount of reps in those spots. I'm with you. Lance, good stuff, my friend. Absolutely. Fun show. Folks, you want a giant suite? 888-NYG-1925. Giants.com slash suites. Full season locations, individual games. Uh, premier hospitality experience for watching Giant games or world-class concerts. Uh, become a Giant Suite partner. Go check it out. Again, not live tomorrow. Paul and Jeff will record a show in the morning. It'll be up by 12 or 1. Make sure you check that out on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platforms. Lance and Jeff live on Thursday at 2, and then we'll have our game recap and review on uh, Friday at 2 o'clock. And again, the Giants Huddle podcast tomorrow. Check out my interview with Giants wide receiver, Colin Johnson. For Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.